0: Well, I want to welcome you to worship today. We're so glad you've joined us for the next installment in our series entitled Living It. Today, we're going to talk about living it as a church. These are lessons based on Paul's letters to the church in Ephesus. It was a port city on the western side of what we call modern-day Turkey, and uh, when Paul started a church there... Uh, He stayed there for a few years, got it up and running, went off and started some other churches, and then when he was imprisoned in Rome years later, he wrote a letter back to them. And one of the things he told them was they needed to stay encouraged, they needed to stay working together about why they'd been started. Uh, Today, we're celebrating the one-year anniversary of an extension of our church that we started, and uh, today we're doing something a little bit different. Normally, we send the video from... Uh, Prattville down to Pike Road, and today we're sending the video up to Prattville. So hello, everyone in Prattville. Can everyone here say hello to everybody in Prattville today? There we go. So yeah, Uh, boy, it's exciting. Anyway, uh, the idea is that today, uh, but other than that, there's really no difference at all of what we're doing because we're going to go on and study God's Word. There's an outline in your bulletin today. If you take that out, there's some uh, fill-in-the-blank items. If you need a pen to fill that in, one of the ushers will be coming up and down the aisles. Uh, to hand a pen to you, and we're going to talk about some lessons that we can learn from Paul's letters to uh, Christians in Ephesus on how to impact our community, no matter where we are, Uh, because that's what Paul had in mind when he wrote this letter to them. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to live out my faith. This whole series is about living it, and Lord, um, we've talked about living it through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about uh, living out our faith uh, through grace, and today we want to talk about living out our faith as a church. Because we're not in this by ourselves. And there are many people who don't know you. And there are many people who are living their lives bound up in sin and fear and ignorance. Living their lives bound up in hatred and guilt and shame. And God, we want them to be set free. And so God, I just pray you show us how to live out our faith as a church. Not just as individual Christians. I pray these things. I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. In the name of Christ, Amen. Well, point one on your outlines, and again, if you need a pen, just raise your hand, and those pens will come to you. Uh, The Christians in Ephesus had a huge impact, a huge impact on their culture. This is what uh, the book of Acts tells us. When Paul arrived there, he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the whole province of Asia, again, that would be modern-day Turkey, both Jews and Greeks heard the word of the Lord. And so Paul rented out a lecture hall. And it'd be kind of like renting out a YMCA or renting out a hotel ballroom. Who would do that? Anyway, um, but so people could hear the word of the Lord. About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. That's what they called the church at that time. And it began with Demetrius, a silversmith who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen uh, manufacturing, or busy manufacturing these things, and he called them together, and he addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. And at this their anger boiled, and they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And it led to a big riot. And if you go on reading there in Acts 19, people shouted in the stadium, grabbed some of the Christians and drug them down to the stadium. And they had a big riot for almost two hours. And finally the whole the mayor, the city council had to come out there and calm everybody down or else they were afraid Rome, the Roman soldiers would come in and break it up. Paul wanted to go down to the uh, Colosseum and kind of speak and, and explain what Christianity was about. And they wouldn't let him. They were afraid somebody might tear him in half. And so uh, this caused a big scene and the Christians knew there they were having an impact. And there's a life application for you and me here. God wants us to have a huge impact on our culture too. Now you may not be familiar with Artemis of the Ephesians. Artemis was the goddess of fertility. They had a, a temple built to her in Ephesus in this port city. It was one of the seven ancient the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a masterpiece of architecture. And because she was the goddess of fertility, the way that you guaranteed fertility in your family is you paid donations to her. And then you uh, acquired the services of a temple prostitute. And so all the sailors loved to sail into Ephesus and go to the temple there. And so this was a place known for its sexual immorality. And Paul started a church right there. And when he started the church, he called people out of sinful lifestyles, filthy lifestyles, and said, hey, this isn't the way to live. This isn't the way we're going to live. Christ has so much more for us. We don't have to worship a statue. Those little statues aren't anything at all. They're just silly little statues. And so when the silversmith and all the people who'd been making these little silver shrines that they'd sell to the sailors to take back on their journeys, all of a sudden their business was off by 50% or whatever it was. And weren't selling this stuff anymore because people said, well, that's not a god at all. That's not the way to live. And so there was a big impact on the culture. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. This is what he told the disciples, his disciples. He said, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Paul taught for more than two years. Every day, he'd go in the evenings, apparently, to this lecture hall. and People would come, and then they'd carry the gospel all over the province. And it made such a big difference that the silversmiths were losing money. I mean, that was a sign of their impact. Now, there's a note here. When Christians greatly impact their culture, not everyone's happy about it. It's one of the ways you know when you're making a difference. God blesses you, Jesus also said, when people mock you, persecute you, lie about you, say all sorts of evil things about you because you're my followers, even if they create a riot that goes on for two hours. Be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. Remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way you and I share the gospel with people and lives are changed, not everybody's always going to be thrilled. remember a few years ago, a woman brought drug her husband to my office. He'd been mean to her and would say all these horrible things to her, and he had a violent temper, and he drank too much and smoked too much and carried on and all these things. So she drug him to my office for me to straighten him out, and he wouldn't even come in. So I walked out to his car, and I said, well, I'll meet you for coffee. If you want to talk to me, if you don't want to meet in my office, I'll be glad to tell you what I know. And so we sat down and talked. It turned out this boy had had a hard life. He'd lost his father when he was very young and some tragic circumstances, and all kinds of things had gone wrong. And man, by the time we finished meeting, he was weeping. And he repented and he came to Jesus. That guy got involved in a small group, got involved reading his Bible every day, and God just changed him. He became a brand new man. About six months later, his wife was back in my office and said, my husband's a brand new man. I said, he sure is. He said, she said, now he talks about missions and stuff, and he, he doesn't talk mean to me anymore. But he said, now we never go out and go dancing or other things because he wants to give that money to something else. And uh, now we don't go out drinking anymore because he said that's not the way. And, he, and she said, I wanted you to change him a little. I didn't want you to change him that much. <laughs> Put him back, okay? <laughs> I mean, she did. She was, she was mad that he got the full treatment. Do you know what happens if Jesus comes in? He'll change us. And sometimes people only want to be changed a little. Well, I think our society needs a little tweak. Well, God doesn't want to give our society a little tweak. He wants to remake the whole darn thing. And God doesn't want to just do a little bit in your life and in mine. He wants to change us completely. And not everybody's going to be happy about that. Now, there were people all over the province of Asia, all over modern-day Turkey, and they were thrilled about it. But some people weren't. And wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if we had enough impact in our culture that with all the songs and praises that went up, there were some people coming to us and going, hey, this is hurting the bottom line. I'd love it if you drove down the interstate and all the advertisements for um, filthy adult stores and other things that they were going out of business because there weren't any clients for them anymore. I'd love it. I'd love to know that people weren't interested in $200 divorces anymore. I'd love it. I would. I would. I wouldn't mind a phone call and say, hey, when you're teaching people to get right with the Lord and forgive each other, that's hurting my bottom line. Well, good, we intend to. We want people's lives to change. We want to live it. And that's what's happening in Ephesus. People are having a huge impact there because they were living out their faith. They took what they knew about God and they lived it out. And that's what God wants for us. Point two on your outline. For the believers in Ephesus to impact their culture... This is a couple of things they needed to do. Paul went on with this. Paul, when he wrote to them, he wrote them this letter. He said, here are a couple of things you need to keep doing. First of all, you need to choose to love each other. That's the way it started out. I mean, a church is a lot like a family, or it's a lot like beginning a family with marriage. It's one thing to say, I do, and give your, give your bride or your husband a kiss on wedding day. It's something else five years later, isn't it? Because now you know them a little better. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the old uh, saying, to live above with saints we love, oh, it'll be such glory to live below with saints we know. Well, that's a different story, okay? And that's the way it is with church. You get into a church and it's pretty easy to feel love toward people when it's brand new, but then you get to know people and you go, wow, these are people just like me. They all have issues, they're working through stuff. God's working on them just like He's working on me, and I don't always like what I see about myself or them. Well, welcome to family, welcome to church. And we're going to have to choose to love each other. Here's what Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He said, look, I'm in Rome here as a prisoner, so therefore I, a prisoner serving for the Lord, beg you, you could circle that, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God, so always be humble and gentle and be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. If we're going to make an impact in our culture the way the Ephesians made an impact in their culture, they're going to have to choose to love each other. Love's a choice. Love's a choice. You've got to choose to forgive. You've got to choose to be humble. You've got to choose to be gentle. You've got to choose uh, to make allowance for other people's faults. Make every effort to keep yourself, every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who's over all, in all, and living through all. And so the life application out of that paragraph for you and me would be this. That if we want to impact our culture, we got to choose to love each other. Being a part of a church, if you come to a Discover Centerpoint class, you'll find out how to become a member of a church. When you make a, uh, the difference between a, one of the differences between an attender and a member is commitment. I'm going to choose to be committed to this place. I'm going to choose and realize that when I, that just like God's working on me, he's working on other people here at the same time. So it doesn't do any good to come to a church and then go, hey, somebody was mean to me. They cut me off. They took my spot. That's the place I always park on Sundays. And so now I'm not coming. I thought this church was different. Well, if you thought this church didn't have humans in it, you were wrong. But human beings park here. And human beings worship here. And sometimes we don't even know who these other human beings are, and they don't know us, and they're at a different place than we are. And we're going to have to choose to be loving and kind and forbearing and forbearant with some things here because these things are difficult at times. I'll never forget a few years ago, I was a woman was coming into worship and uh, the usher was handing out bulletins was standing there at the door. The woman came by and grabbed the bulletin, just walked right in. And the usher turned to me and goes, wow. I mean, did you see that? I said, yeah. And he said, man, I don't even know why she came to church today. What's eating her? I said, well, if you want to know, I buried her husband on Thursday. And he goes, oh, well, that kind of changes things. Hey, I mean, do you realize when we come to worship on Sunday mornings, I don't know what you've been through this week and you don't know what I've been through this week? Maybe I didn't grow up with all the advantages you had and maybe you didn't grow up with all the advantages I had and maybe we're going to have to learn to love each other and be patient with each other as we all grow together. And maybe if people see that, that's going to make a huge impact on our culture because our culture judges everybody. Our culture wants to write you off by the color of your skin. Our culture wants to write you off by whether you have a degree or not. Our culture wants to write you off whether you're a man or whether you're a woman, whether you're young, whether you're old. Everybody's judging everybody. But what if they came to a place where people just loved each other and accepted each other and said, well, let's listen to each other and figure out where we are and see how we can help each other. And Paul says to the Ephesians, if you choose to live like that because there's one God, one body, one spirit, we're all worshiping the same God, and he's working in all of us, well, I beg you, choose to love each other. And I would say the same thing. That is my dream for Centerpoint Fellowship Church, that we would choose to love each other And we would always remember, I don't know where everybody else is. I know where I've been this week, but I don't have any idea where you've been. And so my prayer all the time on Sunday mornings is, Lord, help me notice things and help me listen to people. And that will make a huge difference. So for us to impact our culture, we must choose to love each other. Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world you're my disciples. Well, of course it will. Where else are they getting that? Where's they getting that? Where are they, how are they going to see the Holy Spirit in me? Well, they going to see it when he reaches out through me? And all of a sudden there's patience where there used to be anger. And there's generosity where there used to be judgment. Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Corinthians too. He said, love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Man, that's what people want to see. That woman who lost her husband, she just wanted somebody to pay attention to her. She she came to church because she was hurting, and she needed a hug. She didn't need judgment. What if we were that way? Not just on Sunday morning, but all week long. And what if people walked around us and they said, Hey, there's something different about those folks. I mean, they're patient with each other. They're kind. They don't brag about stuff to each other. Well, now that'd be something else. So for the believers in Ephesus to keep on having that impact, they were going to have to choose to love each other. Uh, Point three, if you flip your outline over, the believers in Ephesus, to have an impact, they also needed to work together as one body. Remember, there's one faith, one God, one baptism, one body. Well, Paul went on to explain more about this. He said, Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. That's the family of God. He gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists, and then there are pastors and teachers. And their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so God has arranged the church in such a way that it works together like a body. When we ask Christ to come in, he really comes in. His Holy Spirit starts working in us. But here's one of the wonderful things you'll discover if you've been a Christian for even just a short amount of time, that the Holy Spirit stirs up certain things in you. He expresses himself in different ways in each one of us. And some of us, he wants us to be involved in teaching. Some of us, he wants us to be involved in serving. Some of us, he wants to be involved and in go out and start new works. When, when it says that the Spirit gave some to be apostles, well, that's people who go and start a new church somewhere. Some are prophets. Those are people who speak the truth clearly, whether we want to hear it or not. Evangelists, people who can share the gospel, and people come to Christ. They have a gift of it. The Holy Spirit just works out through them. A friend of mine, I, I mean... I've got to get some evangelists down here sometimes so you can meet some of these guys who have this, just a gift for this. One of my friends is an evangelist, and that guy its so funny. I, <laughs> some of us in ministry, we got together a while back, and we all had dinner together, and we were all attending a conference together. And this guy is just an evangelist. I mean, he's just got the gift of evangelism, and sure enough, we're sitting down at dinner. By the end of dinner, the waitress who was serving our table was kneeling at the edge of the table asking Christ into her heart. We shared a cab on the way to the airport and the cabbie pulled over and prayed to receive Christ. I go, how do you do that? Everywhere he goes. He goes, I don't know. He goes, how do you organize a church? I go, "I really don't know. Okay, but it, uh, it's God working through people. And God's going to work in each one of us. And there's a life application there. For us to impact our culture, we need to work together as one body. The Ephesians needed To love each other, we need to love each other. Ephesians need to work together as one body. We need to work together as one body. As one body. And so some of us are the hands, and some of us are the feet, some of us are the mouth, some of us are the ears. Paul, when he wrote to the Romans, said this, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Now, if your gift, if the Holy Spirit working in you, encourages you to serve others, we'll serve them well. If you're a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, then do it gladly. I've seen all these gifts working here at Centerpoint, at Pike Road, and in Prattville. I've seen God's gifts working there. It's amazing, as a matter of fact. When a church gets organized, how all of a sudden people just step up, and they go, you know, I've never done this before, but I really feel like God wants me to do this. And some people who may never have led before But now that Christ is in them, they say, I feel like God wants me to lead, and they become a connect group leader. Or maybe they get involved in serving with our student ministry, or they head up a mission team, and it's life changing for them. And they go, I I feel like this is what God made me to do. And I go, You're right. It's exactly what He made you to do. And He brought you here to be a part of this body because for us to work together well, we need some to lead, we need some to serve, we need some to give, we need some to pray. And God's going to bring us all together to make that happen. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? Amen. He's already got the whole thing figured out. All we've got to do is cooperate with him. Now, point four on your outline, I want to take advantage of this first anniversary of Pike Road um, with us having an extension going for a year to point out some things that we're unified about and a way that we're going to work together. At Centerpoint, we are working together to impact our culture by living out the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. I'm often asked, well, hey, if there were two scriptures that really kind of define what's at the heart of what Centerpoint does, what would they be? Well, here's the first one, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is called the Great Commission. Many of you learned this. If you went to Sunday school, you learned this and got a gold star for learning it. I hope you did. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. He said, This is the job I want you to do and complete until I come back. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And I want you to think this phrase centering lives on Christ. You will see that on our bulletin, you'll see that on our website. Well, what do we mean by centering lives on Christ? We mean that, exactly what Jesus told his disciples to do. Go and make disciples. If somebody doesn't know a sniff about Jesus, we want to bring them to church. We want to bring them to Christ and introduce them so they can have a personal relationship with him. If people have come a little way in and they've been apart, they've known Christ for a little while, but they don't know much, then we want to get them in a connect group. We want to teach them how to read their Bible. We want to help center every part of their life. And some of us, we've been Christians for a while. We might have been there at one time, but we've drifted away. Well, we want to recenter your life. And so centering lives on Christ means to make fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that's where that expression comes from. And it's based on this verse. Making disciples and teaching them everything that we've learned. Because we want to pass on what Jesus taught his disciples. We want to teach them, in fact, how to teach others. That's at the heart of what we do. Obedience to the Great Commission. Secondly, we want to make sure that we are living out the Great Commandment. And that's from Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven 37 through 39. Jesus was once asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? He said, well, here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so on Sunday mornings when we gather for worship, the whole idea is to work on our relationship with God. Through connect groups and serving opportunities, We want to connect with others. Right relationship with God, right relationship with others. And we have an expression for that. You may have heard it once or 10,000 times already from me. It's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. Would you say that together with me, please? It's all about relationships. One more time. It's all about relationships. It is. That's why Paul did the Ephesians. He said, hey, will you love each other? I mean, if you want to love God, then you've got to love each other. And that's what Jesus said. Hey, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But the second is like it. Love your neighbors yourself. Well, how in the world are people going to believe that we are disciples of Jesus if we don't love each other? It's true in Ephesus. It's true for the disciples. It's true for us. And so that's at the heart of what we're going to do. So we're going to work together to impact our culture by loving God and loving others. We gather for worship on Sundays. Meet in small groups throughout the week. We serve our community. We serve each other. Serve people around the world through missions. And that's why we do these things. Now, one other thing I want you to understand our primary ministry strategy is multi site. And this is something that makes us kind of unique. We're not the only people doing it, but something not every church has done. And many of you may not have grown up in church that did this. It's a strategy called multi site, where we can be one church in multiple locations. In fact, here's a definition of multi-site that you might find helpful. A multi-site church is one church meeting in multiple locations, different rooms on the same campus. In Prattville, we have an unplugged service at 11 a.m. downstairs while the other service is going on upstairs. We have an 8 o'clock, 9.15, 11 in Prattville. We have a 9.30 here at Pike Road. We can meet in different rooms. We can meet in different locations in the same region or in different cities, states, or nations. A multi-site church shares a common vision, budget, leadership, and board. And here are four reasons we do this. Through multi-site, we can bring our church to people who will never come to us. Too far for them to drive. They might visit once or twice, but they go, I'm not driving that far. We can grow larger and smaller at the same time. I mean, think of it. You try to attract 2,500 people to one place or 250 to 10 places. there's 250 to 10 places, well, then there's no parking issues and plenty of donuts. Okay. We can mobilize exponentially more volunteers and leaders through new ministry opportunities. And it's one of the things that excites me the most is to get new leaders up. Because every time we start a new church, we don't just need a couple more ushers. We need a whole new usher team. We don't just need a couple of greeters. We need a whole greeter team and somebody to lead it. And so some of the people who were volunteering before are now leading at the new site. And finally, we can reach more people for Christ. Because you understand, I mean, now I can invite people who live in my neighborhood. And they'll come with me. Now, I want you to uh, meet a friend of mine. Clay, if you'd come up here. I want you to meet Clay Carroll. Clay and his wife, Sydney, um, were... uh, How are you doing, Clay? Great. Good to see you. Let me get a microphone for you here. There we go. Thank you. Um, Clay, you and uh, Sydney became a part of Center Point, what, about a year and a half ago?
1: Yeah, back in uh, July of last year.
0: Yeah, and where do y'all live?
1: Uh, we live in Pike Road.
0: Okay. And so you guys were driving up here on Sundays?
1: Yes, we were driving. We were um, invited to come by, uh, by a friend of Sydney's. And, matter of fact, we sat right over there. And, okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so we enjoyed it. But it was, you know, we woke up on Sunday morning and said, okay, a yeah, 30 minute drive to get up here. But it was, it was, uh, it was nice. We enjoyed it.
0: Okay. Once we started announcing that we were going to start a site at Pike Road, you guys considered it because it was in your neck of the woods, right? Yeah. As a
1: matter of fact, we actually, um, uh, you said it was in a YMCA. And we thought, wow, YMCA. Okay. So we, <laughs> we went to look. We actually drove to the YMCA and looked at it and said, okay, well, we're kind of trying to vision this. And we started praying, uh, you know, searching the word of God. So, said, what, what do you want from us? Because we, we knew we loved it here you know and it's kind of a step out of your comfort zone to to go somewhere else when you're used to this but um uh, but we met Don Darlin and uh, he the, site, was, pastor, the yeah. site pastor there just right and um he um he talked with us about it and uh, we decided yeah this is I think this is something we want to do because we looked at it and, and started as a as a mission right you know it's a it's a site it's a off site from the main campus and hey uh, I didn't really have the need to go to um or feel led to go to uh, dig a well in honduras or something but i i thought mission work in locally that's pretty cool we can do that
0: okay and so let me pull you back to a couple of things here through multi-site we can bring our church to people who will never come to us and that's been happening here at pike road right yes it
1: has uh, as a matter of fact um we see a lot of people who probably would not drive to prattville we have people who come from tallacy from Watomka, um, I think of Troy too. We've got some uh, some people who come to Troy, so I, I know they would not make the trip to to, uh, to Prattville. And it's making a difference in people's lives too. Yeah, I mean we see it every day, uh, just from the things that we hear. Sydney and I, um, we handle the hospitality. And uh, if you are here, at, you know, if you're if at, at Prattville, you know the Marriott pretty much takes care of it for you, right? Well, in a site, we do that ourselves. And uh, matter of fact, if you're if you live in Montgomery, and and you want uh, a lot of donuts and cookies and coffee. Because <laughs> you we, pick them up. We got them, exactly. We, we take care of it. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we, we just see a lot of people who uh, are really touched by, by the Lord by
0: coming to it. Great. There's one more point on our outline here this morning. There's a life of application here. All of us can be involved in starting new sites. All of us. Here are two ways. First of all, we can pray. Jesus said, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. We've been praying that as a board of elders since this church began. And God's been raising up people just like you. Um, Secondly, we can go when God calls us. When Isaiah was called by the Lord to be his prophet, here's what he wrote. He said, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he said, here am I, send me. And Clay, when uh, we announced all this stuff that we were starting something at Pike Road, did we have to twist your arm for you to go, or did you really feel like you and Sydney felt like, hey, this is something God wanted us to do?
1: No, we knew it was something God wanted us to do. We had, we had prayed about it, um, talked about it, read about it. I mean, just, we just knew. It, 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 it was just not even a decision. It was right. something that we knew we felt real strong about.
0: I wanted you to hear from Clay. I want you to stick around for just a second here. I want us to have a word of prayer. But I wanted you to hear from him as somebody who understood that God is going to work in people in a lot of different ways. And going to take us to places so we can reach more people for Christ. And that's the big vision of our church. It's where we're going. It's why we call it Center Point. The church in Prattville was the original hub, if you will, and from that we want a lot of spokes. We thought about calling it Hub Fellowship Church, but that didn't sound great, and so we settled on Center Point. It's the center point from which a lot of extensions will go out. On the back of your bulletin today, um, there's a flap that flap that we talked about that has been announced for. Uh, if you ever want to be a part of a, a Discover class or a baptism class, well, that flap also has on it the whole idea of multi-site. And today, if the Lord's challenged you, maybe you live at a part of, um, that where you have friends. You go, oh, this is a dream come true. I've been inviting my friends, and they won't come. They say it's too far, and you'd like to be a part of multi-site. We've been praying, and we'd like to know if you're interested in that. So just check that box and tear this off and throw it in the white bucket on your way out. We'd love to hear from you. Let me have a word of prayer for us today. Lord, I want to thank you for Clay. I want to thank you for Clay and Sydney going out to Pike Road. I want to thank you because I, have, I want our church to reach lots of people. I thank you for the Christians in Ephesus that carried the gospel throughout the whole region, throughout the whole country of Turkey. I thank you that it made such a big difference. The silversmiths didn't have anybody to sell their little trinkets to. And Lord, I'd like for us to make such a difference that it made an impact on our culture that way. Lord, I thank you that the Christians in Ephesus loved each other and put up with each other, and I pray that we will too. Lord, I thank you they worked together as one body, and some would serve, and some would set up, and some would break down, and some would teach, and some would go out and bring new people in. I pray that we'll do the same. And finally, Father, I pray that you'll guide this church wherever you want it to go. We are your servants. We are your children, and we ask for your leading. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus, amen.